From the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. This week's topic is Wisco. Nope, not the bar on Willie Street. It's the Wisconsin English's project to measure change in Wisconsin English over time, don't you know? Joining us in the studio from the Wisco Project, Joe Salmons and Eric Ramey, along with our regular geeks, Teresa Saldana, Adam Wiesenfarth, and Jesse LeGrew. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. Hello! It's Thursday, Thursday, do it lives on Thursday, and we're gonna talk about technology, technology, Thursday, Thursday. I like talking on Thursday. Well, that was... Uh, <laughs> inspired is the word that you're looking for. That was inspired. But Ty, are you going to sit in the front seat or the back seat? I, I haven't made my mind up yet. <laughs> I have not made my mind up. Which seat do I choose? Welcome to Do It Live. It's Thursday and it's time to talk tech here on the most connected radio show on the planet. I'm your host, Ty Christian. And along with me today is the wonderful, amazing, spectacular... And deep-fried co-host, Teresa Saldana. Deep-fried? I couldn't think of any other adjectives. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm really hungry for mozzarella sticks. I haven't had lunch. Oh. You know, it's one of those things where you just get you get a craving for mozzarella sticks. You just start seeing food everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking at your coworkers. So, like, your food. iPhone, it looks like a... Well, it looks like an iPhone, but you probably have an app on there that you could have bacon sizzle or come up or something like that. Oh, there, there so, has to be one. It has to be. So, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Check us out online uh, on our website, which unfortunately does not have any bacon on it. Uh, doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. You can email us radio at doit.wisc.edu. Uh, and there are like 14,000 other ways to get in contact with us, should you so desire. Also, of course, check out our wonderful podcasts that are up on iTunes. Go to iTunes and search for Do It. You can also search for Do It Live. But if you just search for Do It under the podcast section, you will find us. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having the guys in from the Wisco Project here. We're going to talk about language and technology and how they, how they, uh, how they're working to find like the origin of Wisconsin language, so that you know when you put your hot dish in a bowl, that everything will you'll be able to say, oh, it's from the, from the north, don't you know? <laughs> right, right, Teresa. <gasps> yes, you're I... from Wisconsin originally, aren't no, you? I'm no, I'm not. No. Oh my God. I'm from Iowa. We don't. We don't talk like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I had a next-door neighbor that talked like that, so anyway. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird. So uh, we should start off our show like we do every show with the uh, Emmy, Tony, and Oscar award-winning anchor, Teresa Saldana with the news. It's Teresa Saldana with the news. So something exciting I read about today is that... They've, Angry Birds has reached a huge milestone. They oh. they now have over they have over 500 million downloads. So half a billion downloads. 500 million? Yeah. That's 500 million dollars because it's 99 cents, isn't it? No, there's it's free, right? No, Wait, no, no, no. It's Angry 99 cents for the full really? version. Yeah, oh. yeah. Angry Birds is. Angry oh, for Birds. the full version, but the, there is a free version. Well, there's a light version. You only yeah. get like 20 levels, and it's lame. 
Oh, so. well, I'm lame because I. You only have the light version. Oh, I, come I on, shell out a buck. You can be like, you be, you can be five hundred million I, in one. But you realize that because I didn't know that, I haven't passed all twenty levels to even oh. know that. Yeah, dude. There's I like. I don't think I have. There's like, there's like a hundred levels in the full version or something like that. Oh. Yeah, it's great. I I've had Angry Birds for a while. And actually, my, my fiance has taken over my phone, or actually my old iPod, or not, I, yeah, my old iPod had right. Angry Birds on it. iPod and, Touch, yeah. And she, uh, and she took over it, and she, f- um, she finished the game. So I, I never got a chance to, like, play it through past level 20, but now, with my new iPhone, aha, everything has been reset, so I'm back to level one, and I'm loving it. I've been playing it quite a bit. Well, that's cool. Did yeah. you know that they revealed a new bird for Halloween? <gasps> What? No. And then they have a movie and and apparently cookbooks in in the works. See, cookbooks I could see, but a movie that's too far. Why not? The birds could talk. Well, they already kind of do talk. They're like. But I mean, you know, really. But, but, talk. But how are they gonna? You know, how are they gonna sell this 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 movie? You know, in a land of angry birds, one bird was pushed too far, and there's pigs in it somehow. I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, like how are they gonna? What what are they gonna pitch with that? Is is the question? Really, you, you, you think about all the cartoons when we wa- we watched when we were kids. Well, yeah, cartoons, but like it a whole a movie, but a whole yeah. movie, uh, maybe. Yeah, why not? Only if there's a musical number in the middle of Angry Birds. There might be. <laughs> Have you ever thought about it? I mean, Angry Birds. You know, they're 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 kind of like throwing themselves into buildings to try to destroy the. The pigs inside. Angry mm-hmm. birds are kind of terrorists. Uh-oh. They are. I mean, if you think about it. Think about it out there. I'm sure they'll be able to make a movie out of it. All right. But the cookbook, I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> what, what's in the cookbook? Birds and pigs? They probably have a lot of eggs. Egg-related dishes. Okay. Because <laughs> they're birds. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what's... <laughs> but would you want to eat an angry bird? No. Okay. No, I would not. Mm-hmm. What else you got in the news? Well, as... Going along with the mobile world, Google released a Gmail app, and uh, it hit the iTunes uh, app store, uh-huh. and it failed miserably. Well, it had a bunch of bugs in it, and it fell flat on its face, and they actually have pulled the app since they released it. I was, I was going to say, well, gee, there's a surprise, but like Google doesn't usually release things with a whole lot of bugs in it. Generally but, not. But, you know... I, I already have my Gmail linked to my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I've just been using the mail app. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you can't do things like add um, labels or, or, or anything like that or, mm-hmm. you know, see. Uh, one thing I, I really love about Gmail that I don't get in any other mail app is it kind of like when you have a, a series of emails in the same, you know, people reply back and forth mm-hmm. and forward it. It keeps it all in the same, like, one email. You click on that one email, mm-hmm. and it just expands it out to all of the replies that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I have it in my regular phone app, it just it just doesn't do that. It You see all the individual replies as individual emails. So if I've got one thread yeah. that's been going for 50 emails, mm-hmm. i got 50 emails to wade through in my inbox, but... Yeah, I like how they parse it out. You can mm-hmm. click on each part of it as you're going through it. Right. But still, um, you know, having a, an app for mail, which is something mm-hmm. that's kind of built into the phone, eh, I don't know. Well, some people are really, you know, they really subscribe to the, the basically, you know, the Gmail philosophy of how to organize things. Sure. And using mail seems antiquated that it's, you know, 
do you want to call that web 1.0 and this is 2.0 or something? It's just this, <laughs> this, this different concept about how to organize your emails, less like pieces of paper and more in much more dynamic. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I have some friends that are still using like AOL mail or mm-hmm. Yahoo and it's just kind of like, really, guys? Well, I have Gmail in my mail app. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of like because gmail operates so differently it sort of goes head to head with Mm. with how mail wants to do things and how gmail wants to do things you know with the flagging and you know starring things and it's yeah it's not the well i shouldn't say the flagging it's tagging i guess but you know mail doesn't support that at least not the tagging you can flag things which is like starring them but it's not cross compatible and i like folders i really do i like folders too but i mean you just think about the tags as folders I don't know. But then that doesn't work in mail. They don't show up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. That's what I I mean. So if you're going to use mail, you have to use folders because your Gmail tags all disappear once you import it into mail. So Actually, you know what? The For me, at least, my tags show up as individual folders inside of mail. So, like, you know, if you have an email come in Mm -hmm. uh, and you want to tag it or you want to move it to amongst the, like, work stuff you know, mm-hmm. tag, like I've got a work stuff tag. Mm-hmm. I'll just move it to the work stuff folder. It'll appear as a folder for me. So hmm. maybe yours is, maybe I'll have to look at that again. Yeah, maybe maybe yours... they've changed it even since I first set it up. That was a while yeah. ago, but regardless, it's, it's, it's still not a hundred percent between, um, between Gmail and, and the mail app that's on the iPhone or even the mail mm-hmm. app that's on the, on the Mac. So mm-hmm. yeah, I could see how that, yeah. So what else? So um, yet another app that I found uh, that I thought would be neat for UW-Madison students. So we do have something fairly similar to this. It's an app called OneSchool, and it's supposed to help connect you with your campus's resources and help you find what you need. Um, So they offer, you know, a campus map, bus tracking, uh, course info, schedules, listings of like places to eat nearby, uh, news feeds for your college. So, you know, stuff like the Daily Cardinal and the Badger Herald. Yeah. so it's all it's all through um, a website. Uh, I'm trying to one on one schools. So your school has to be on this website, uh-huh. right? Um, but uh, I know that we have the mobile UW app. We do. Um, but this one apparently also offers. I, I thought this was kind of funny. The ability to to well, one you can you can look up contact him for your for your professors or your classmates <laughs> in the directory which i don't know if that links up to rate my professor i don't know if that's oh, what they're getting oh hey at. that would be great that would be neat but apparently you can also look for parties using the apps chat feature <laughs> oh. which i'm quite certain the mobile uw app does not support so right if uh so if anybody the, any of the mobile uw app developers are listening hey you got an untapped market yeah, you know the ability to search for parties. You watch yeah. how fast the students will download the mobile UW app. But or just add a bro button. Hey, bro, uh, where's the party at, bro? There you go. What's up, bro? Uh, <laughs> but I know the mobile UW app's pretty slick, though. But I guess if you don't want to use that, or you don't go to UW Madison, yeah, you know, there's, maybe you're listening in from that's across definitely, the country. That's definitely an option. Mm-hmm. Um, another cool thing that I read about. Yes, is more a, cool things. Yeah, way more cool things. <laughs> um. There's a um, there's an app that is a I think it's called Card Case. Yeah, it's from a company called Square Card Case. So basically, what it allows you to do they're sort of like digital credit cards, and uh-huh. it's got a little wallet. Like it's even the, the graphic interface is it looks like a little wallet with <laughs> all these little cards in it. Nice. And what it allows you to do for uh, vendors who support this. So let's say you go to 
let's pick something like a Barnes and Noble. Let's say they are okay. affiliated with Square. And what you can do is walk into a Barnes and Noble. And if they have, and if you've got the latest version of this app for iOS 5, it yeah. has this thing called geofencing. So basically what you do is you walk in uh-huh. and the the app and i assume there's some kind of locator in the store Uh it recognizes that you're there oh no okay and then when you go up to the register you just have to tell the cashier who you are and they'll just verify your picture identity that is already up on the computer and then you just walk away i see terrible things happening i i think they scan they scan it and then it registers with this app what you bought yeah and you just walk away. You don't even have to take your phone out of your pocket. Wow. I see. So no swiping of anything. I see it's, absolutely terrible things happening with this app. But they do a but they do a face identity though. Well, sure, but how you know how secure is changing your, your face picture on Square's, you know, thing? I mean, what if somebody hacked in and, and knew you and changed your picture with his picture? But how much more secure is it if somebody gets a hold of your credit card and just walks into the store and they have no idea what you look like? Well, that's true, I guess. Yeah. So there's that credit too. cards insecure just to begin with. But I know that on the other side of things to play undevil's advocate with this, I, I have found myself on many occasion, um, you know, going out maybe to go out and exercise and, and just having my phone with me. And I've got, I bought, I bought one of those otter boxes for my new iPhone, yeah, which makes yeah. it basically like indestructible mm-hmm. more or less. And just in case it's not indestructible, I also bought a square trade warranty, which I really like. But, um, but you know, I, I also have to bring my credit card along with me, mm-hmm. and I will say, I am I'm I, I'm a parkour e- enthusiast, and I go out and do that with my uh, with my phone and my OtterBox and my credit card. Unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I have to bring it. Right, well, and, I do too. And um, I have gone through now. This is I'm on my second credit card now because uh, whenever I go over things or you know climb trees or whatever, it mm-hmm. gets bent and scraped and mm-hmm. and like you know pieces have broken off of it. So I've always thought, man. You know, you see those commercials where it's like, in the future, Visa will be able to just scan your phone. It's like, Visa, why don't you just do that already? Come on, hurry up. Yeah. So maybe the Square app. Now, I, I'm, I'm interested, is this uh, by the same makers, and maybe you don't know this, but is this by the same makers of the Square credit card reader that allows you to accept credit cards through your iPhone? It might be. Because they're also called Square. Hmm. And I think we talked about that a couple shows ago. Where we were saying, hey, you know, there's this, I just got this uh, app for the iPhone that basically what you do is you sign up, it's a, a webpage is squareup.com. Mm-hmm. You sign up for it, uh, f- for an account, and it's free, and then they'll send you this little tiny credit card reader that you plug into your headphone jack on your iPhone, and then if you want to accept, you know, say you and your friend go out and get some pizzas and mm-hmm. they don't have any cash, you just take their credit card, swipe it through your iPhone, boop, done. Put in the amount, done. And it I, goes right into your bank account. I assume it's the account. same company. That'd be, that'd be awesome, so... So, but, and apparently as part of the app too, you can find square vendors basically by looking them up. So you can figure out, I guess if you're hungry and you only have your phone with you, you can, (laughs) uh, you can look up a vendor nearby and say, Ooh, look, there's a bakery that, that, that will use my phone. (laughs) Yeah. And then you can use your phone. You 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 just walk in and just tell them who you are. But I assume they have to have like. The, a cash register or some yeah, kind of you know some kind of computer point of sale system that are. that can pull up that information and show your picture and verify your identity. Yeah, I when you when you said walk in and they know you're there, it kind of reminded me of like Minority Report where mm-hmm. Tom Cruise has gone by and they scan his eyeballs. It's like, hi, mm-hmm. Mr. Yakamura. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that kind of thing doesn't happen, or maybe maybe does happen. Maybe they know what you want to buy and you mm-hmm. know. 
Yeah, it basically just opens a tab for you at the store and it shows your account, your name, and your photo. So that's kind of scary too, though. I mean, as far as tracking. Yeah. To know that you're there. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of scary things that, that go into that. Mm-hmm. But... But yeah, yeah when, when you brought up Minority Report, I forgot about the personalized shopping experience mm-hmm. that they offer so that the store remembers who you are and what you like to buy. Right. That well, could be- Amazon does that. Amazon.com mm-hmm. does that. Whenever you go to Amazon and you sign in, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I saw you were looking for medical equipment last time. Here's some IV poles. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, man, sometimes a dude needs some IV poles for stuff. I don't know. You know? Maybe you do. Hey, I got another. I got a news story for you. Sure. What's um, up? This is this is big. Mm. This is big. What? How big? Internet Explorer. Yeah. Falls below fifty percent market share on the internet. That's exciting. That's super exciting. That means for all of you out there that that, that are listening, that means that uh, Internet Explorer, the once unquestioned, you know, un you know, completely top browser that everyone and their grandma, especially their grandma, was using mm-hmm. out on the internet, uh, has been basically usurped by these other browsers, by Opera, by Firefox, by Chrome, mm-hmm. by Safari. Oh, yeah. So um, that's good. And you might you might be out there saying, well, Ty, why is that good? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, probably the biggest reason that it's good is because when people who write malware write malware, so viruses and spyware and that kind of thing, they will target it usually towards Internet Explorer. Now, why, you may ask? Well, because the people that are still using Internet Explorer, and apologies out there if you are using Internet Explorer and, and you're a you know, tech-savvy person, but the people that are using Internet Explorer are usually the tech-unsavvy, usually the people who mm-hmm. are who are you know likely to click on the link that says, oh, you're the 10,000th visitor, or you've just won a free iPod Nano, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they will design their code to specifically take, you know, uh, use vulnerabilities mm-hmm. inside of Internet Explorer. So, you know, if you're using Firefox or Safari or something else, you might not have the same vulnerability vulnerability that you do when you're using Internet Explorer. browsers aren't just, you know, when you, when you hear about Chrome and Firefox and IE, it's not simply just a window with a different logo in the corner. Right. They have different capabilities. Um, so, you know, you should keep that in mind at home. And, you know, if you run and in, in, in having more than one browser, of course, they're all free. And, you know, yeah. having more than one browser is always a good idea. And it's not going to hurt anything. No, right. Because... Let's say, you know, you're having a problem attaching a picture to an email. You keep getting some kind of error in Internet Explorer. Well, a good troubleshooting step is to try it in Firefox. Right. Or try it in Chrome. Sure. And then, and then it does work, and you go, huh, I wonder why that is. And sometimes it's because some websites update their, you know, their interface or their, their features, and the, mm-hmm. the, the browser that you're using has a bug, or it's not up to date yet with that feature um so it's always good to have more than one uh and i can tell you you know i used to be a very very adamant safari user mm-hmm. and i know I, I got made of made fun of a lot for that at work um, <laughs> safari has not always been uh taken seriously as a web browser especially you know the and especially if a, a web browser is younger it's harder yeah. you know it has to yeah. develop for a while before yeah. it becomes really stable but now i've switched to chrome and i can tell you I recently reloaded, I, well, I recently upgraded to 10.7, uh, which is the latest Mac operating system, Lion. Lion. And 
I launched Safari only one time to go download Chrome. (laughs) That that is, you know, what a lot of tech savvy, you know, a lot of folks in the IT industry do is they use that initial browser to simply just get the other one that they need. Yeah, that they like. And then they never use the other one ever again because the with Internet Explorer, part of why it gets so many um, attacks is just because it's so ubiquitous. Right. You know, when you write malware, you think, how can I target the largest group of people? And that's why the Mac operating system, for you folks that may or may not have heard, you know, rumors about, you know, Macs don't get viruses, they, they don't have vulnerabilities. Well, part of it is they just don't have the market share to be worthwhile to go after. That's correct. You know, and, or the demographics, because, you know, even even today, as, as Macs become more and more popular, businesses are still using Windows machines. Because a can, lot of the software that they use is, for, is built for Windows machines. Correct. So, you know, the, the folks, you know, at a company, you know, at the office are, you, you know, perhaps using Windows machines. And the Macs are usually still used traditionally at home or, um, you know, your company may have just bought iPads or something, but they're still syncing with Windows machines. Right, right. And so, you know, um, uh, people who write malware, they know this and they know that basically where the valuable data is is still on a lot of Windows machines. Right. And we're kind of in a sheltered community here where we have a large... Uh, a large section of the populace that on the university campus here that mm-hmm. does use Mac. Right. You see a lot. I mean, you go to you go to uh, class, you go to study halls, you go to libraries. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of people with Macs. You, mm-hmm. And and in the real and so you might say to yourself, oh well, you know the market share is fifty fifty. But you know if you really look at the actual statistics around the world, you're still looking at like eighty twenty. You know because a lot of stuff is is. I think their official share has gotten up to 12, believe it or not. 12? It's, it's still only 12 right now. If you're oh, looking okay. at computers, yeah, you yeah, know, desktop yeah. computers, we're not talking about iPads. We're not talking about iPhones. Yeah. Those are diff- those are considered different markets, the tablet market and the mobile phone market. But if you look at computers, that, that their numbers are actually still pretty low. Mm-hmm. And, and like, like you said... Um, just in universities, it's Macs are just very popular because right. they go very well with education because you get that education discount. Right. But of course, you know, everyone listening out there, does this mean, oh, I don't need antivirus for my Mac? No. No, no you need antivirus for your Mac because we have seen, we've, I've seen it with my own two eyes, uh, tons of Mac malware coming in mm-hmm. to the do it help desk here all the time. So, yeah, keep yourself protected out there. Don't be dumb. Don't open that email link from who knows what that contains, you know, free mp3 download.exe and if you want to be a helpful good citizen keep in mind too that max can help spread pc viruses believe it or not they can so they can harbor it say you plug in say you plug in your friend's uh uh, flash drive it has a computer you know has a pc virus on it Mm -hmm. on a file you transfer that file over to your computer and then uh you know a couple weeks later a different friend comes and grabs that file and puts that on their flash drive brings it over the windows pc guess what you are the source of the infection, not the original dude. It's your fault. Right. So you have to think about it at zombie outbreaks. Max are the carriers that show no symptoms. Yeah. But they're infected. <laughs> you have to think about these things. I love they're that immune. analogy. They're I love immune, but the, they're carriers. They're like the ones in Left for Dead 2. Or, or 28 days. Or 28 20, days. Is it 28 weeks later where, where the woman, she she's okay. That's and, right. And she like, she's a carrier, she, she lands in like France or something, and then boom, she starts infecting people. But she's okay. Yeah, yeah. So... 
Yeah, that's there's a thing about Max that way. I know so it's, basically, it's, Mac it's uses really what morbid. we're saying is you're you're causing the zombie apocalypse. So stop it. Ah, that's not <laughs> what we're saying. But you know, the landscape's going to change, as you pointed out. There there have been attacks against Mac Macintosh computers, definitely, um, and they won't they won't stop. They're going to keep increasing. <laughs> they won't stop until you're all gone. <laughs> dun dun dun. You know, coming this summer. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, an interview with the guys from Wisco. Uh, we're going to be talking about language around Wisconsin and why you, your mom sounds like this there, <laughs> and why she makes a hot dish instead of a stroganoff, or maybe she makes a stroganoff, and, you know, that might be where you're from. So so stick around here on Do It Live. Check us out on the internets there with your Internet Exploder. It's uh, www.com internet.doit.wisc.edu forward slash the radio podcast which is not actually the real site but it's doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio and again check us out on iTunes uh, and uh, give us a call if you have any questions or anything Uh, phone lines are currently open and we'll be right back with a little more Do It Live and now the Do It Live three disclaimers with our guest geek of the week Arnold Schwarzenegger Number one, the opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Number two, products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, aka DOIT, and other university departments, as well as drawings and giveaways, may be only available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Ah. Number three, participants of this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations to it like recommending you to get to the chopper. However, they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of the products or services discussed. Now get to the chopper! What used to 
When you could save lives using the National Marrow Donor Program. National Marrow Ogre Program! Helping save lives one patient at a time. The National Marrow Donor Program. To learn more, call 1-800-MARROW-2. Bone Marrow! Ah! And welcome back to Do It Live! The most connected radio show on the planet. Check us out online, doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. Email us, radio at doit.wisc.edu. And check out our podcasts on iTunes. Just type do it into the iTunes store and click on podcasts and you will see all of the plethora of our podcasts that we have available, our old shows. Take a listen. Email us. Tell us how we're doing, radio at doit.wisc.edu. And uh, again, check out our site. Radio, or sorry, do it.wisc.edu forward slash radio for all the plethora of ways to get in contact with us. Well, earlier this week, we were able to sit down uh, with some of the minds behind the Wisco project. It's a project that uh, the linguistics department, along with do it, are, are helping out to uh, sort of map out all of the linguistical data in and around Wisconsin. So when someone comes up to you on the street and says, oh, can you tell me where the nearest hot dish stand is? Don't you know? You can say, aha, I see you're from the... Uh, this this area because you will have visited the Wisco site and you will have all that data. So, without further ado, we're going to jump over to an interview that we conducted earlier this week uh, with some of the people that are behind Wisco. So let's take it away. Um, so, guys, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and go around the room and we'll introduce ourselves here. My name is Joe Salmons. I'm the uh, Lester W. J. Smokey Zeifert Professor of Germanic Linguistics, and I work on speech sounds and how they change. Is that actually your title? That is actually my title. Oh, my. wow. That is yeah. the coolest title. Yeah I, yeah, I wouldn't even know how to start writing that down. That You're going to have to spell that out for okay. us. We just call <laughs> him Smokey. Wow. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm Eric Ramey in the Department of English, and I also work on sounds and uh, yeah, cognitive science of sounds, too. Very cool. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about this project that you're working on. The Wisconsin uh, Speech Chain Online, or WISCO as it's called, it's we know that there's a huge amount of change going on in how Americans pronounce things. And everybody thinks that pronunciation differences and other dialect differences are getting smaller. It looks pretty clearly like they're getting bigger over really? time. So okay. you guys uh, are more different regionally than people my age are uh, and in different ways. <clears throat> Nobody's done uh, any real work in modern times on this kind of stuff in the upper Midwest. Uh, we figured it out, none of us, the three people in the project, uh, Eric and I and Tom Purnell in English, saw that there was nobody doing it, that there were all kind of cool things going on. And so we started working with uh, Do It Engage to build a program that would allow us to teach students to analyze, starting with their own vowels, but eventually other speech sounds. Uh, and to compare how they pronounce things to how other people uh, pronounce things and uh, now to put them on maps. Wow. That is really neat. So is this map online? Is this something that you can cross-collaborate or? Um, it's going to be. It's not uh, yet. Okay. But it's going to be the coolest thing you've ever seen. Really? <laughs> yes. When you were describing it, I was kind of thinking of... Uh, of, of uh, you kind of going around in a in like a, a a hat, you know, like My Fair Lady, and like, aha! You see, your dialect is from the upper Midwest portion of the Finlander, you know. <laughs> so, but you know that there's a long tradition of doing more or less that at this university. Frederick Cassidy. I did not know that. Uh, Frederick Cassidy, originally from Jamaica, was a professor of English uh, for decades here uh, until not that long ago. I actually knew him after I came. Um, worked into his mid-90s, he started the Dictionary of American Regional English, hmm. which is still, it's being finished now in Helen C. White. He started in the early 50s with something called Wells, the Wisconsin English Language Survey. He went around by himself with a recorder, early 50s technology, drove all over the state and sat down in people's living rooms and said, and just interviewed them. And we have those recordings. Did he make him say the rain in Spain falls mainly on the planet? He did not. Oh. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> um, he didn't make him say anything. He was a very nice guy, as far as I can tell. So when you get this done, are, are you, will, you, will someone be able to like uh, go to this map and, and see like, oh, you know, these these group of people moved from uh, Tennessee up to Minneapolis, and then they started their own little, you know, that kind of thing. Is, is that what it's kind of going to be like? You're going to see like a timeline of? We've got all kinds of different applications, and one thing uh, is just that there are regional differences. And those regional differences are changing. So we're trying to get as much data as we can from people of different ages. And we're using these historical recordings going back to the 50s and 40s mm -hmm. uh, so that we can see. You think about it. You're recording in the 1940s and 50s. You've got people born back in the 1870s, 1860s. Sure. And, you know, uh, we can record people now born in the 1990s. That's mm -hmm. a lot of difference across generations. Mm -hmm. So we want to know... First of all, a kind of a baseline is what changes are happening in how people talk and how are they progressing. We've mm -hmm. got lots of changes that are moving across the region right now. One of the most robust ones is the um, difference between words like cot and caught and rot and rot and sot and salt. So I'm from the South, uh, as you'll eventually hear if you haven't already. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> and we tend to say those words uh, very distinctly, uh, cot and caught. 
uh, Eric is from uh, Northwestern uh, Pennsylvania, so it's cot cot rot rot sot sot. <laughs> it's all the same thing. And I mean, you don't think about it. I mean, I don't know if you do. You guys mm -hmm. say them the same or different? Um, I think I say them the same. Probably the same. Try it. Yeah. Cot cot cot. cot. You I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't so know you like sleep to, on a you sleep on a cot, cot. and you caught something. Okay, so bingo. it is oh, different. Difference. Is he thinking of the word cot like the? So okay, so I, I sleep on a cot and I caught something. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're the same. We're the same. You're, you're, you're different. different. Cot I'm originally from Superior, Wisconsin, so way up north. Nice. We're you're from Iowa. Know. Yep. Perfect. Wow. Yep, exactly. <laughs> wow. See, Ty, we're so, so different. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> so, what's happening is that this change originally started, uh, people would do it in New England, uh, people do it in some parts of western Pennsylvania, and as people from uh, the east spread westward, it's mm -hmm. something that just took off and caught on. So if you take people uh, from the west coast, almost everybody says them the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a strip uh, going westward from Pennsylvania through uh, sort of central Ohio, uh, central Indiana, Illinois, and so on, and out to the Great Plains mm -hmm. where people say them the same. So I taught in Indiana when I moved there. Uh, I met uh, uh, a young woman who introduced herself to me as, mm -hmm. uh, said her name as Dawn. I said, wow, that's a really unusual name for a woman. She said, what, what are you talking about? This <laughs> Dawn is just a woman's name. Don? No, it's a man's name, like mm -hmm. Donald. No, no, that's Don. My name is Don. <laughs> uh, so you get that kind of stuff. So it spreads west. Then it is looping back over through the Great Plains. It's very, very well established uh, mm -hmm. in the Dakotas, most of Minnesota, mm -hmm. northern uh, most Wisconsin, northwestern most Wisconsin, mm -hmm. uh, and um, it's coming down. So you go to a place like uh, Eau Claire, uh, La Crosse, places like that, there's a lot of variability. And it's something that sometimes people are not aware of, uh, like you guys weren't, you know, as well. Yeah. I, I say the same? <laughs> uh, um, so if we ask you other things, mm -hmm. uh, you'd, you'd know immediately if you, if you used it or not. So being from the South, I can't say the difference between P-I-N and P-E-N. It's pin and pin. And people who, who do that or don't do that are completely aware of it in the South. It's a very salient mm -hmm. uh, feature. But uh, in these areas that are in transition right now, mm -hmm. uh, people tend to be very aware of it. it mm -hmm. uh, very clear that it's, uh, that it's happening. Yes, so, I mocked Joe earlier today for that exact yes. thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> Another thing that I want to pick up is that you asked, like, when, it, like, when you're done with this, mm -hmm. yeah. are you going to do this with it? Uh -huh. Like, so we're both not as young as you, but relatively young. And so one of the things that Speak is... Speak for yourself, Kate. Nah. Yeah, yeah, well, okay. What? Okay. All right. So um, <laughs> one of the things that's built in the project is that there's not an end date. Like, it's done basically when the last person who works on it dies. Right, in that mm -hmm. the way that we have it set up is that, that you're going to be a little bit more grandiose, like when the last person of humanity speaks their final That's word. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not that grand, but I mean, so like when, 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 when not we not on tape anyway. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Uh, when we move on, we we may not stop, but for the time being, every year we use this software in class and we make recordings, and so every time we encounter new sets of students, mm -hmm. they make the contributions and they record them and. And then some of them get interested in this, and then we actually train them further so that they can go on and continue on on their own. So we mm -hmm. send them back to their hometown, and they 
then generally poke and prod and interview uh, mm -hmm. their family and their friends, and then this gets added to the project. Mm -hmm. And then the question of, you know, as you asked, like, so can you see people coming up from Tennessee up to here? Um, those questions get generated by the students who come and work with us. Is that, you know, um, we don't have, well, we do have, if you need a question, we have a list that we can pull them from for you. But generally, we find it, you know, much better if the people who want to come and work with us on this to generate their own questions. Because then they'll be much more motivated and much happier working on the things that they're interested in. So the, the actual software itself is, is kind of um, human input driven. It's, there's no sort of... Uh, uh, analysis software that's figuring out, oh, you say caught this way, you must be well, from... There is. The analysis mm -hmm. software is called Human Beings. Yes. We are the analysis software. Uh, I see. I see. So you were talking about, you know, obviously, you know, between Thai and I, we can't tell the difference between, you know, these words that obviously we pronounce very differently, um, you know, because our ears, you know, adjust for that. But um, with the, you were talking about the technology that you're using, obviously, which which can see these things, can actually map yes. them out. What kind of technology are you using right now to do these recordings and then to actually look at what you're recording? We're doing uh the level, it's just amazing. You know, when Cassidy was doing his stuff in the 50s and 60s, it was a huge suitcase-sized tape recorder and big <laughs> microphones and power sources. Um, today, any laptop uh, with a, a small external microphone mm -hmm. is perfectly fine. We can do tons of analysis and really sophisticated analysis with it. Mm -hmm. The software, the actual acoustic analysis software that we're using uh, is a free program called Prot. Uh, and again, it's extremely powerful. It will do anything. It will do more things than we will ever need. And we are ambitious in terms of what we need. So <clears throat> uh, simple technology, uh, free or cheap or stuff mm -hmm. that people tend to already have. We have a, a box of microphones that we give to people as they're going to go out and do uh, mm -hmm. field work. Uh, and um, free software. So it's all pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And Wisco is... is sort of brings it all together, synthesizes it, makes it useful. So how do you, once you go out and record it, how do you aggregate the data then? What do you do with it? I mean, where does it go? Well, so um, within the Wisco uh, framework, it goes into Wisco itself. And so um, when you uh, uh, take my English phonology class, the first sets of homework is that everybody goes out, records themselves, mm -hmm. uh, enters it into Wisco. And, you know, the first question is like, you know, look at your data. Mm -hmm. And then the next question is like, okay, so now go to this menu. And I usually tell them to find my recording because I, mm -hmm. I know the quality of that. But then there's a list of all of the other people who have uploaded the data for mm -hmm. that. So we have some from Joe, we have some from Tom, we mm -hmm. have people from last semester, two semesters ago. Uh, we have uh, Governor Walker in there from some recordings. We have so, Sarah so Palin in there. Oh, from okay. some, so, wow. you know, so basically like the thing is that any sort of audio recording of speakers, you know, so like mm -hmm. if you don't overlay like nice flowy background music for this, we can tape <laughs> this off the radio mm -hmm. and put you guys in it. And so oh, there's there's this rolling kind of um, pedagogical growth of every recording we, we've done that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can look at that in the class to, you know, pick someone from Mound, Minnesota and see if they pronounce caught caught the same way as you. Or another thing we like looking at is uh, the ash vowel, which is in big. Uh, if you're from Wisconsin or bag like me, that's another one that you can go around and look and see, hear people, how put they it in say, a big. Yeah, put it in a big. Oh, just put it in a big, dear. Yeah, put the, you know, my, you know what my favorite one is? Bull. 
You know, I'll, I'll just get the hot dish, put it in a bowl. <laughs> you know, I love that hot one. Hot dish, perfect. Okay, we need him. Yeah, <laughs> in the lab. Yes. <laughs> oh, don't you know? Okay, I have some lutefisk and put it in a bowl there. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, with this, you're going back to this this map that you've talked about. Will you be able to take like those um, those I, I, it's been forever since I took a linguistics course, but like, a, <laughs> a, like one of those phonetic, you know, one of those sounds, mm-hmm. being able to, in, like, you know, take that, you know, do, you know, put that symbol in as a, as a search criteria, and actually be able to to map that specific sound out, and actually have a list of examples of, of how it's used in those areas, or it, in the percentage of, I guess, frequency. And giving them ideas if it's not in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's where we start. What's okay. really cool about things is mm-hmm. that change doesn't happen all at once, right? <clears throat> your right. Uh, your family didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, cot and call, that just sounds bad. We're going to say cot from now on. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't met my parents. Oh, there. Okay, maybe. Um, <laughs> but that's exceptional if it's the case. These things spread socially and geographically. Mm-hmm. And we know certain things are very regular about how it happens uh, as Everywhere in the world, uh, men are laggards. Women lead almost every single time in sound change. They pick up the innovations quicker. Mm-hmm. Men tend to be much more conservative. Okay. Uh, so we can go and say, okay, uh, we want to know how people say bag uh, versus bad and where that vowel is. You know, do you get the big effect or not? Um, and we can look at that. We can map that and map the values for it. We can also say, okay, do, are the women different from the men? Uh, what about people over 50? Uh, mm-hmm. Not many of them are still alive, but it happens. Uh, and kids under 20, uh, and, and contrast those pictures. So you can mm-hmm. see the spread either in real time, where you've got recordings from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and now, mm-hmm. or <clears throat> in what we call a parent time, where you just look at how old people talk and how young people talk and see the differences. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really at the base of what we're doing. And we can add all of the social and geographical information yeah, on top of it. Yeah, demographics, that's really mm-hmm. neat. So if someone does someone have to be involved with the class in order to get in on this project, or can anyone? No, we've done. Um, we started out originally uh, with uh, an undergraduate research scholar project, and we're doing that again uh, now. Uh, we had kids from really across the whole university. We had yeah. pharmacy majors and everything, uh, hmm. microbiologists and stuff. Uh, it takes very little training to use, uh, especially if you're if you got a little familiarity. If you're not afraid of numbers and computers, it helps. But even if you are, we can we can deal with that without much trouble. And what we did with these uh, with the first group was we got people from all over Wisconsin, and they all went home eventually with a laptop and uh, a microphone, mm-hmm. recorded uh, family and friends, and so now we've got good snapshots of a whole bunch of towns uh, around. The, the the region and we're always we're always doing that kind of stuff. Are there any sort of interesting uh, facts that you found out about linguistics in Wisconsin from the data that you've gathered here? Well, so the thing with the I, I wouldn't call them interesting facts, but the 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 data that actually these students came and collected with us that uh, uh, we as a lab presented at national conferences actually gets used to make you know arguments about how English works and other things. So and how human language and how human works. language works. And so okay. it's not it, this is, you know, this is actually I mean one of the things that we're the happiest about this project is that, you know, 
some of these you know undergraduate research scholarships i i want to go to grad school for pharmacy i want to do something kind of sciencey with language they show up at our doorstep and the end result of this is that they ended up making a contribution to a lab that actually gets them a publication on their cv and they go to pharmacy school and they get in you know and so hmm. part of it is that um you know if you want to geek out with language and learn particular facts of language you know we're, we're the crew to do that with. But um, with a lot of the methodologies that we're learning, just like how do you do an interview? How do you collect data? What do you do with data? Uh, you know, this is human subject, so how do you be responsible with data? Learn some statistics, learn some things, how computers work and other things like that. These are all applicable outside of the general project in itself. And mm -hmm. then if you do want to do just straight up linguistics, then you now have real contemporary uh, high quality data to answer, you know, very, you know, theoretical linguistic questions that we like thinking about too. Just to add on to that, think about the list of stuff that he, he just talked about. I mean, we've got sort of straight humanity stuff. We're interested in things like immigration, settlement history, communities, mm -hmm. community structure, demographic differences, really classic social science stuff. Uh, and uh, it goes on with the with the acoustics. It goes on basically to applied to applied physics. So there's whatever whatever uh, you think is cool, uh, we can uh, uh, we have some of it. You can bring us in somehow. So mm -hmm. I have to ask um, since I know we've talked about on uh, previous shows we've talked about um, you know with the new iPhone 4S technology having Siri and Siri's ability to understand what you were saying. Do you have? Is there software out there that actually um, can map out language using the using IPA so that you can actually get some? So as people, you're, you're putting a recording through the system that it can actually um, write out for you what there's what they are saying. It's um, it's not too good yet. Um, okay. We're playing yeah. with it. We uh, call regularly. it Paco. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, there is something called the pen forced aligner which um, what it will do is that um, it's not quite doing what you're asking it to do, but if you give it a recording and then mm -hmm. you give them uh, basically um, uh, the transcript of what it does, it will go in and mark it up and say this is what this phoneme is and where it's at. Okay. You know? And so um, the thing with that is, and this is, this is part of where like Siri and just any sort of speech recognition stuff is interesting, is that um, when it works, it works pretty good, and you're like, wow, yeah. that's really cool, yeah. okay? Yeah. But when it doesn't work, things just, you know, mass hilarity ensues, and just <laughs> yes. horrible things happen. I once and asked, it just, uh, it just, you know, it just goes completely off the rails. Oh, yeah. I asked Siri the, uh, last week, how, how do you say cat in Spanish? And it says, I'm sorry, I can't find any hotel information in Jamaica. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I mean, so no, it just like so like on the one hand, where where things like Siri and like uh, you know um, the speech recognition software, when it works, mm -hmm. it's very impressive. But um, you know, it works ninety five out of a hundred times. Say like ninety five percent is the success rate. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. five out of a hundred times, you get a train wreck. Yeah, and hotels like, in Jamaica. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we as human beings, you know, five out of a hundred times, you don't just like get complete just mass insanity. You know, so on the one hand, like Siri, <laughs> Siri you know, is is it is incredible. You know, but but we don't have to yet like bow down to our you know iPhone overlords yet because you know there's still, you know, there's still a lot of room that could be. Have you have you told any of the Mac addicts that that you don't have to bow down to their iPhone overlords? Because oh, I mean, you know, we might want to just. No, well, no, no, no. I, I, I know I'm aware of this. Yeah. yeah. Just for the record, we're Mac addicts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Proud user since '91. <laughs> Woo. So um, 
does does any of your work actually feed into speech recognition software? Do you do you turn any of your data over to um, companies that design that kind of software, or does that or does that any of the the stuff that they do influence your work? Or uh, no, um, primarily because um, the field of kind of like like the apply the business side of application of speech. Uh, recognition um, has gone all in kind of on the engineering side and that the solutions that they have that work mm -hmm. are engineering solutions and this is actually why um, things like Google emerged over the last 10 or 15 years and not 50 years ago mm -hmm. and that kind of our theoretical knowledge of how language works has gotten better over the last 50 years but what has really changed is that the computers have gotten a lot faster and a lot quicker and you can basically brute force things a lot more and from the business side um, brute forcing things uh, in speech recognition, Google searches and things like that is just much more economically feasible and you can actually make workable things. You know, so the thing you want to remember is that Google is really good and speech recognition is really good, but we're fairly convinced that that's not how human beings do it. Mm. And, you know, I'm personally more interested in trying to figure out how human beings are doing it. You know, I, like I still want Google to work. I bow down to my Google. I do bow down to the <laughs> Google overlords. You know, but but what they're doing is something. You know, what's driving them is just to make something work. Mm -hmm. And then what's kind of driving, at least myself, is I want to know how a human being works. So not just the end result, but just how this how language works. How yeah. The yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, connecting back to what Joe said about. You know, we have. Um, you know, humanities side, social sciences side, hard sciences side. I, I'm mostly interested in understanding how human beings work. And I think just language is a fascinating subject because, mm -hmm. you know, you can pick whatever tool you want and you're chipping away at how a human being works. Mm -hmm. One of the opportunities here is that um, we've had students who have gone into the computer industry and done this kind of stuff after they've, they've finished up. Okay. And having people who understand the kind of perspective that Eric just sketched very nicely mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, is useful to just start to bridge the, I mean, there's the engineering and there's the, uh, uh, the, the human cognition part of it. And somehow we've got to start piecing together better how those uh, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's really the big question. If we could figure out how human beings work, mm -hmm. then we could build the machines to be our overlords. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how does someone get information on this project, or where do they go to see it? Wisconsin English's project. You just uh, put that in the old Google, uh, and uh, we've got a, a project page. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have uh, all of the Wisco stuff public yet. Okay. Uh, we're working on. Uh, making sure that we've got the human subject uh, permissions and, and things clear. Uh, and um, the maps are pretty far along, but they're not completely public. We've got a bunch of sample maps there. You can see sort of what's, uh, what's going on and how we're doing things. But uh, it won't be long. Stay tuned. So Wisconsin English Project, correct? English's. English's. Wisconsin English's Project. Yeah, we decided on to be the great. Trendy. The great Google overlord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I do have to ask, as, as, as linguists, um, do you guys have a favorite accent? 
<laughs> or so, I suppose you know, favorite I words, favorite, um, I guess, phonemes that pop up, or uh, mm, <laughs> I don't know. Just I, earlier. Don't, don't just, get us just, started. Well, guys, thanks for coming and spending some time with us here. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the project or anything you want to plug real quick? Uh, we would urge people to drop us a line uh, by email. Uh, the, there are links on the Wisconsin English's project page. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, in joining the fun, uh, we're also recording um, immigrant languages that are still spoken around the state, uh, old and new. And uh, if pretty much if it's got to do with language in the upper Midwest, we're interested in it. Or language in general. And we really want to thank Do It. All of this is yeah. really the result of just the generosity of the people at Do It listening to our crazy ideas and like actually following us. And we say, no, do this, do this. It will be really cool. Uh, and it's panned out. They, it's unbelievable what uh, good sports they were. And we really walked in with these weird ideas and not the slightest clue how to make things happen. And uh, they were patient enough to sit and listen to us jabber for a long time and eventually... Uh, who, it panned out. Who within do it? We had a, a whole uh, uh, crew of people. So there's uh, Sid Freetag, who is our uh, program manager. Program manager. Uh, you can help me with these names too, Joe. Ben Longoria was our programmer. Yes, but he has left for a long for, time for uh, uh, finer climates. Uh, Chris <laughs> Lumpton uh, has been uh, pretty critical all along the way. Uh, Blair Bundy has helped out. Yeah, I mean, really, it's been—it's just unbelievable how many people we've had contact with. Mm -hmm. When you know, um, oh, we don't know what to do about that. We'll ask, fill in the blank, and then somebody new comes into the picture. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's it's tremendous. Glad to hear we do it could be so helpful. Yay! 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 Do it! (laughs) Yay! Do it! Well, guys, thanks again for coming in. Anytime. And uh, looks like our hour is just about up here. But before we go, we got a bunch of people to thank. Uh, special thanks go out to our management team at the Division of Information Technology. Perry Brunelli, Ryan Hansen, Edward Hoover, Brian Kishner, Ty Leto, Neil Mack, Mark Nessel, Brian Rust, and Bill Zimmerman. The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Do its Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman. And our CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Bruce Moss. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, Sandy Cyberlick, and Adam Wiesenfarth. Our associate producers are Laura Grady, Teresa Saldana, and Nathan Cohen, with assistance from Dan Collins, Matthew Siriani, and the Nates, Harrison Weber, and Zastro. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producer of Do It Live is Jesse LeGrew. Join us next week where we will talk tech again for another hour, and we'll see you then. Stronger. Work it, make it.